So, as I said, we've been looking at work the last five weeks. We've heard from four different people and four different perspectives. Uh, today I'm going to talk about uh, what I've been learning at work, um, whilst being at work, and kind of more to do with the relational dynamics that come into play in an office. Um, but I do believe that if you, if you don't work in an office, um, what I've got to say is relevant just for like everyday relationships, so don't feel like you have to switch off if you don't work in an office. Um, so basically, God's been teaching me how to be braver in the office this past year and a half, um, I, um, and teaching me that my voice matters. Like, um, um, and I just want to share a bit of what this looks like. Um, I started working at Southwest London Vineyard about 18 months ago, um, and um, pretty quite early when I came in, actually, um, Neil actually he, he said, "I want you to be really honest with me with how you're doing each week. I want to know like where you're at." Um, and he said that also included being honest with him as to how he came across to me when we communicated. Um, and Neil and I have quite very different communication uh, styles, maybe different personalities in lots of ways. Um, so I said to him, yeah, of course, I will do that. I will definitely um, let you know if I, something feels off or just, um, just try and let you into how, I'm, how I feel when you communicate to me. And I said, even if it's hard, I'll come to you and let you know if it's ne negatively affecting me. Um, I'll let you on a little secret. <laughs> I never did it. <laughs> I lied. Um, uh, but in that moment, when he asked me, I genuinely meant it. Um, but across the following months, there were times where I felt like I needed to communicate that I had felt slightly hurt or overlooked, or I'd been triggered by something that was said or done or not done. But I actually refused to bring that up and let him know, even though he had asked me to. And I want to come back to that story in a bit for now. Um, just, just say how that resolved, and um, but I, um, firstly, I want to look at um, the Bible, and I think what Jesus teaches about um, relational dynamics, which is we can be in an office uh, with our family, um, uh, with a few example, other examples from my life as well, um, and then we're going to actually have an interview at the end, where I'm going to get, or like just discussion, where I get Neil and James up, and we're just going to talk about how we've been working some of this stuff out in the office uh, over the past year and a half, I guess. Um, so, Luke 17, 1 to 10 is where we're going to be. If you have a Bible, do open it. We're going to read through together first. It should come up. Here it is. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, we, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will, be, it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So this is kind of like Jesus' self-help manual, I, to, how to do relationship well. It's part of it. Um, 
And like I said, I believe this applies to an office environment where we're communicating with people. Um, so let's just go through this verse by verse. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better to have a, a millstone tied around the neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. So he's talking about millstones tied around necks, watch yourselves. Um, this is like, it's funny when we think of Jesus, what do we think of? Like, he's like, yeah, there's, you know, there's grace and, you know, there's Jesus and there's grace. But this is like one of the times where he's a bit more like direct. Um, there is grace, um, but at the same time, he's like, at the end of, in verse three, he's like, so watch yourselves. Um, so that's his message to his disciples and to us. And I think basically what Jesus is saying here is that sin is serious business. Um, and we're responsible for letting sin roll through our lives and if it rains unchecked in our lives. And in fact, what he's literally saying is capital punishment is essentially pre preferable to letting sin like rain in our lives um, and causing, causing havoc. Um, and it's true that when we feel anger, frustration, anxiety, um, and stuff's going on inside of us, it can actually, what's going on inside of us can cause and wreak an external havoc um, in the external world around us and for the people around us without us even may maybe even knowing. Um, so Jesus says, watch yourselves. That's his first, his first message to us. Uh, verse 3. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they f repent, forgive them. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if, you re if they repent, forgive them. He says, um, if, your brother, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Rebuke him. Um, this is, I think it's quite hard, this one. It's, we're like, really, Jesus? Really? But what happens if I don't really want to rebuke him or don't feel like rebuking him? It's like quite a hard thing to rebuke people, isn't it? I'd much rather keep that kind of on the inside. I'd maybe internalize it, store it away for later on, um, or kind of deflect it into sarcastic comment or a joke because I feel uncomfortable. There's lots of ways which we kind of... Um, when we feel like we need to say something to someone, when they, we feel hurt, we actually don't actually tell them. We just keep it inside, internalize it, or deflect it in another way. Um, and I think when we hear this word sin in this uh, verse, when your brother and sister sins against you, uh, we often think about the really big things, and we kind of, I think I can sometimes distance it from myself. I'm like, we think of the, you know, the really bad sins. We're like murder or, I don't know, ad adultery or something. But I... Um, we kind of categorize these sins. But I think Jesus is just as much talking about the everyday moments of life, um, the, the everyday small sins that we receive, which can be like people just, their anxiety or anger or frustration just leaking on us, things that they don't even necessarily notice or are completely unaware are, are affecting us. Um, and he goes on in verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Seven times in a day. I mean, I wonder who has the opportunity to sin against you seven times in a day. That's like, well, maybe there is people. But, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but, and Jesus is talking to his disciples here. He's talking to, the, to like, these 12 guys who he's been really close with. He's been on this like, three-year-long mission trip with. They're camping out together. Uh, they don't really get hot showers. They don't get like, me time. They don't get um, so much screen time as we get um, watching Netflix. These, these guys are constantly on the move. Um, probably sleeping outside, as I said. Um, probably very easy to get frustrated with each other. They probably do wind each other up. They probably joke at each other's expense and all the normal things that we all do in life. Um, and Jesus is saying to us, as his 
has to his disciples and his actual disciples, his, his, those three words, rebuke, repent, forgive. Rebuke, repent, forgive. And he's saying we, we've got to do that up to seven times a day. Um, and this is not really how we live. I, well, it's certainly not how I live. Um, if I feel like brave in a week or a month, I might get one moment where I kind of will say something back to someone and let them know how they've actually affected me in life, let alone seven times a day. Um, and I think Jesus is just raising our bar here. He's like, you can, you can do more of this. Um, you can actually communicate better with people. Um, and I think why this, what I've learned recently is the problem that um, I can't change if I don't get feedback from other people as to how um, I'm impacting someone. Um, and if, I ne if I'm negati negatively impacting someone through something I don't know, I will never know unless they give me feedback on it. If someone's sinning against me, um, and they don't if I'm sinning against someone, they don't rebuke me, I'll never I might not know, realize what I'm doing. Um, and I think what was so powerful about when Neil spoke to me, uh, well, my story at the beginning, was he actually gave permission. He said, I actually want, want you to tell me um, how I'm affecting you. Um, and I wonder if there's any of us here who, it will, for all of us here, we could find one person in our lives who we could actually say that to. We could ask them, could you give me feedback of how I am communicating with you? I'm hungry to actually learn how to engage better with you. How can I do that better? Um, and I was thinking in a work context, how could we do this? I think it's probably easier. Um, I know we work in a church office, and maybe it's slightly different to working in your office at work. So maybe it's easier for bosses to do this to, or those in management roles, to say this to those under them. So could you give me feedback um, on how I'm communicating? And I think it requires humble heart, it requires vulnerability, um, it requires that you might get hurt, you've got a risk being offended, um, but I believe Jesus is saying it's worth it. And for those, those of us who don't work in an office environment or who aren't a manager, um, we've got opportunities at home to do this in our families, we've got opportunities at, even at church to do this, a lot of us work together, we serve together in teams at church, um, and then we, need, we need to be able to do this stuff um, and communicate well, well with each other. And it, I think it's vital for spiritual growth, and it's almost a key for greater intimacy with people um, that we all desire and hunger for is to um, let people in, and we can't do that without the, the risking and the vulnerability. And saying, ouch, when you said that, that hurt, um, or my connection to you is damaged, when you said that joke to me, and it actually felt like that joke was actually at my expense. Um, when you sharp late continually, I find myself getting really frustrated and just not sweeping all these things under the rug and saying it doesn't matter, but actually confronting them. Uh, and often a, a good response to when someone says this to you is often I'll, I'll feel offense in that moment, but what, it, what we actually need to be saying, Jesus is saying, is uh, we need to say sorry, um, rebuke, repent, and forgive. So we need to say sorry. Um, and I think one thing I do badly sometimes is I, I will explain reasons why, if someone's telling me how I affected them, some, I'll end up being like, oh, but I was quite tired, so that's why I did it. I'll try and, ex oh, I was, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night, wh whatever it is, and I'll try and give excuses as to why, I'll try and explain away my behavior. Um, and, but the thing is, they're probably not really looking for reasons as to why I did it. They're just looking for my sorry. And I think we have to learn just not to be, not to kind of swerve out of the way and just, and just receive it and say, yeah, I'm sorry for that. And that to be a normal, everyday thing. Seven times a day. Uh, cheery. Uh, uh, another thing I do, I, I did with my girlfriend the other day, and it's when they, um, 
when she was telling about something I did that her, her, I said, um, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, <laughs> which is not the best thing to do, I've learned. Because it's basically saying, I'm sorry that you have this thing wrong with you that, you know. So I learned not to do that recently. Um, and I just, I, what I learned is I need to own and apologize for what I actually did. So I'm sorry for this, not I'm sorry that you were like that. I'm sorry for how I did this and how it affected you. Um, okay. We're going to have some Chinese symbols come up behind me. These symbols. Uh, these two Chinese symbols um, mean, uh, they mean crisis. Um, the one on the left means danger, and the one on the right means opportunity. Um, and basically, what that shows us, interestingly, is that crisis uh, is made up of danger and opportunity. Um, this is important because um, it, just in relation with that dynamics, when we're owning up to how we affect people, we're being vulnerable and we're bringing our full selves. Um, and there's a risk of us getting hurt, or them being, um, if they don't accept what we say, or them getting hurt that I'm actually sh sharing with them in the first place. So there's a risk. Um, but the other side of that risk and hurt feelings is the promise of increased intimacy and connectedness, um, something, as I said, all of us crave more of. Uh, and who doesn't want deeper, more truthful relationships? Um, so I think that's a really, it's a really helpful visual reminder for us that in crisis, or in what feels like crisis to us, in these moments of communication, there is a danger, but there's also opportunity, there's hope. It's both. Um, when often we can just focus on one, we can maybe just focus on the danger and it feels like we can't do it, but actually there's opportunity there as well. Um, an opportunity of deeper relationship and more truthful communication. So in the story I mentioned earlier, I'll come back to that, uh, where Neil had asked me to tell him um, how he was affecting me, um, even if that was negative. One of those things, uh, was, which I found odd and confusing, was whenever I left my holiday uh, sheet on his desk, <laughs> um, he would kind of joke about it and say, off again, are you? You know, like, or like words to that effect. Um, and I felt a little bit like, I kind of thought he was joking, but I was also like, does he kind of mean it? Like, am I taking too much holiday or something? Um, uh, but Neil actually does that with everyone in the office. But, um, so, like, but I was new, so I didn't necessarily know that. Um, and I found that. And I, I think I was feeling actually made to feel a little bit guilty in that moment. And he didn't know that. He was just joking around. Um, and he had asked me to bring this stuff to him uh, that was hurting. And so I, I hadn't mentioned that, maybe for a few months or whatever. And he had realized that I hadn't really been doing my job of actually telling, communicating honestly with him. So he was like, he mentioned it again. And I said, yeah, I haven't really done that. So we, we actually arranged a time to, like, let's sit down and actually talk about some of these things um, intentionally. Um, so we did. We sat down. I told him that thing, and um, he just kind of, it was like, I was, I was actually really, really scared before I told him. I was like, uh, or like, when I was saying a few of these things, I was like, is he going to react badly? Is he going to get hurt or offended? Um, but actually, the opposite was true. Um, the reward I felt after sharing this stuff, which Neil asked me to share with him, was actually greater intimacy, stronger trust, and a better relational dynamic than we'd had before, which was exactly opposite of what I feared might be the result. So it was just exactly that crisis, danger, opportunity thing. It was, I felt scared, I felt in crisis, I, was, I felt in danger, but actually the result um, was actually opportunity and greater depth. 
The flip side of all of this is um, if you go around rebuking people, they'll probably start doing it back to you. Um, so we've got to be ready for that. Uh, and as I said, I find it very easy to get um, offended if people do it to me, even if they're right. Um, and I think we, like, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get in my head is that we have to, I have to get over this whole I am right about everything. Um, I, I'm not bad, especially compared to them. Like, why are you having a go at me? Why, why don't you, like, you know, I'm not that bad. Um, but that sort of talk in our heads isn't really that helpful. Um, and I'm just trying to learn more. And I think we all need to learn maybe more to be um, less offense-driven um, because as, ch as children of God, we're, if we're, we're to communicate well and rebuke, repent, and forgive well, we need to learn how to not take offense. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about love keeping no record of wrongs. Um, but love only keeps no record of wrongs because love actually took care of the wrongs, love dealt with the wrongs, love said the wrong out loud, and love worked towards forgiveness and was able to actually let go of the wrong. Uh, love doesn't bury the emotion deep down. It, ha it handles things live, and it's real with actually where we're at. Um, so that's what I think Paul talks about with keeping no record of wrongs. Um, and my prayer for us is really that we would live unoffended um, and be able to live in this kind of feedback loop where we can actually communicate honestly with people, um, give permission for, greater, for feedback, for, to create greater room for that depth and intimacy and truthful relationships. Um, and we go to verse 5. It's the, the apostles basically say kind of what, what I'm thinking and probably what a lot of us in this room are thinking. They're like, um, increase our faith, Lord. This is really hard. Um, and it is hard. And Jesus' response um, uh, speaks to that. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Um, so where's, there's a picture of a mustard seed, I believe, somewhere. Um, that might come up. Because I was like, what? The Bible always talks about mustard seeds. It's very small. Um, that's how small it is. So basically, we need, no, we need very little faith. Jesus is saying, you can do this even if you have a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust in me. I'll be with you when you're doing these, these hard things. Um, God promises to work with you on the, only the smallest amount of faith. He is with us. Um, so verses 7 to 10, just to finish, um, Jesus talks about um, a servant plowing, looking after the sheep. Uh, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Um, won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. And will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Jesus is essentially saying here, like, this lifestyle of rebuke, repent, forgive is not optional. Um, and it is part of a lifestyle of being a servant and disciple of God. Um, and if we're not doing it, we're actually being disobedient. Um, so God has just mandated us to live this way. It's not optional. And I think that is kind of hard to hear. But he, as he said, he's with us in it. Um, we're not alone in it. Um, and I think we can, I, I want to see um, in my life um, more bravery, more braver communication moments with other people and more, more moments where I'm actually allowed to rebuke and repent and forgive. Moments where I'm not living offended at other people when they give me feedback and moments where I'm brave enough to give other people feedback of how they're affecting me. So, 
Neil and James. Are they here? They are here. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about this, about how we've done it. Because, I mean, we're, we're not experts. We are definitely not experts. We're kind of, sometimes feels like you're kind of bumbling through, like bumping into things and just working out the best way to do it through doing it badly. Um, but we thought we'd just chat about it a little bit. Um, and I have a few questions for them. You ready? Uh, so, Neil, first question for you was, um, I'm interested why you, in the story I gave, you gave me permission to give you feedback on how mm. I came across to you and communicated. Mm. Um, I'm trying why you did that, mm. and how, well, yeah, just why did you do that? Mm? I have no idea. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It was a reckless moment of foolishness. Uh, um, I think the reason I did it was because um, I am aware I know this may come as a shock to many of you that I can sometimes come across in a way that I don't mean. Uh, so um, I have this awareness, and so I recognize that there are things about me in the way that I communicate that could possibly do with uh, tweaking and becoming, as I want to become more like Jesus. I think for me it was about wanting to grow. Um, I want to grow, I want to become more like Jesus, and so I recognize there are areas of my life where that needs to change. Um, I think the reason I asked you was I trust, I trust you and uh, trust your ability to be able to communicate that well without completely and utterly um, trouncing over um, kind of my feelings or whatever, so. Mm -hmm. And like in that moment when I was telling you uh, a few things that I had actually held up and stored away and hadn't told you, <laughs> how did you feel when I was telling you those things that potentially could have caused you hurt or offense? Um, uh, I and think, probably hard to hear. yeah, I think in, in the moment um, it wasn't, so bad because we prayed beforehand. So we, before we had a conversation, we chatted, uh, we invited the Holy Spirit to come, and the Holy Spirit's very kind. And so I think he helped soften the blows and the wounds that were potentially inflicted. Um, and I think the reality is um, there wasn't anything that I heard from you that I didn't actually already know. So uh, everything and the things that you were saying, both the constructive criticism and the positive affirmations, there was resonance. And so it wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's such a surprise. It was like, yeah, actually, I kind of knew that. And um, mm -hmm. so it, it felt resonant, so that was, it was okay. And is there any tips for like, all of us you could share about how you can be teachable, live unoffended when people are giving you feedback? I think, um, I think relationship is, uh, is absolutely um, key. And I think if we genuinely have a relationship uh, with one another, I think if we genuinely love one another and we're trying to push, push into loving one another, then um, we can, the relationship and the love and the affection that you have for one another actually then covers up a multitude of, of sins. I think somewhere in Peter he says, you know, above all, love one another uh, deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I think that's the key thing is, is ensuring that you've got that relationship in place and you're committed to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and James, you're probably more like me in terms of that you're, more, you're probably less direct communication, more like to keep stuff inside. Um, so, um, so have you found kind of the process we've been doing in the office of living more openly, more vulnerably, um, and even risking offending others in the process of like rebuking them, telling them how they've actually affected you? Um, yeah, how have you found that? And what have you found hardest maybe to overcome as well? And how have you? 
Um, have I found it? I hate it, every second of it. <laughs> um, it's not my natural sort of, see, I don't like to seek out conflict particularly. Um, I am the sort of person who likes to keep the peace with everyone, ever. So if there's ever any conflict, I would try to avoid that with every fibre of my being, I think. So I, I find it incredibly challenging, this whole, this whole thing that we're sort of trying to push into. And I must hasten to it, I don't feel like I push into it completely that well all the time. But um, when I do it, at the same time as being incredibly challenging, it's also incredibly freeing. Because I'm the sort of person who will, if, if there is, if someone has um, offence with me or if I have offence with them, I'll absorb that into myself and own it and let it weigh on me. And so if I actually let it out, it's so freeing because it actually disappears. Mm -hmm. um, what was your other question? Um, it was quite a long question, I can't. What was the thing you found hardest to overcome in that process? Oh, uh, I think actually stepping out and doing it. The, the, first, the first sort of contact, as it were, for me is, is really hard to sort of step out and go, um, Neil, you've done this bad thing to me again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's, it's so rare. <laughs> yeah. But I think the, the reality is that I, it's one of those things which I probably build up within myself and make much worse than it actually is. That's the sort of mm -hmm. person I am. Yeah. Um, and you talked about different personality types a bit. How do you think, um, do you think different personality types will, will struggle with different parts of this? Like maybe some will struggle more with the rebuking, some will struggle more with the forgiving type. Or do you, how do you see that? Yeah, sort of definitely. Um, as I say, I think I'm, I'm the sort of person who will just, will will not let it out and will, will sort of hold on to it. I think Neil's probably more the sort of person who will um, say something immediately and, and get it out and sort of see it as a, an opportunity and a challenge for you to beat something, right? Is that fair? You know, yeah, to beat an beat like this is a, sorry, I'm gonna hold on to it. <laughs> this is, you know, this is an opportunity for you to be in competition with, a, with something. Whereas I will not, I will sort of hold it inside and then probably get you later. Um, yeah. I'll probably sort of more of a passive, passive aggressive type thing, yeah, and destroy you another time in another way. <laughs> yeah, we're going really well. I have to uh, make sure I've locked all the windows before I go to sleep, go to sleep at night. <laughs> Um, I think my, my personality is much more direct, I'm much more confrontational, I'm much more challenging. But I don't mean that challenge or that confrontation to completely crush, although I have become increasingly aware that the response to that challenge is, can be crushing. And the difficulty I have is actually my desire to challenge or to confront is actually the way that I cr connect with people. Like, it's how I create, how I um, build relationship and how I get intimacy with people is by, ch is by challenging. And um, the difficulty is, is that that doesn't always come across. And there's a wake of trodden on squashed um, people in my trail and I'm oblivious to it. And so one of the things I'm having to learn is um, how to not communicate in my own 
out of my own preferential style, but actually to find a way to empathize with the person I'm trying to communicate with and communicate in a way that maximizes their potential to hear, hear it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's hard and um, I'm not very good at it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really good having you guys and other people around to kind of say, actually, do you know what, you know, when you said that, it kind of came across like this. Usually I'll be like, ah, your joke, I, I, that's, so with the holiday thing, I'm just having a joke and until you tell me, I wouldn't know that that's how I'm coming across. Yeah. I wouldn't know that, there's a, that you're going away thinking, oh, am I not entitled to holiday and is he bullying me and all this kind of stuff. Once you tell me, I can see it yeah. and I understand it, but, and hopefully then I can correct it. But until you tell me that, I'm just having fun. Yeah. Um. And interestingly, with that situation, I think, is like, um, when I, t like, I think after I've told you now, now it's out in the open, when, I think if you do that again, I don't really care. I think there's some things that we actually just need to get out and communicate, which, once that's done, it almost cuts off the amount of hurt we get from that. Um, Can I just add something? I, I, yeah. I, think, I don't think any personality types particularly do it well, is what I would say as well. I don't think there's like one personality type who does it better than others. I think we're all pretty broken human beings, and so we all have the propensity to do things terribly and we all have the propensity to do sort of this sort of challenge very well so i don't think it's quite and i found that quite freeing discovering that the way that i do it as a negative um isn't necessarily who i am and so there is a positive way within me to do it and the same for for you i guess i guess <laughs> and just in terms of like how we can help people um and ourselves um, try some of this stuff. In what setting? We're, we, I was saying we work in the church office. And we're kind of a li we're a little bit on the, all on the same page with this stuff. Um, we've got to try it out a little bit. Um, in what sort of setting, world, or wouldn't you um, try some of this rebuke, uh, repent, forgive stuff if it feels a bit outside of your comfort zone right now? Yeah, I think key is um, not to do things in the heat of the moment. So. Uh, it, Particularly for me, it's good to just take a moment, like, which I don't do, so I'm, I'm able to do it in the heat of the moment, but that's not, I don't communicate well in the heat of the moment. So choosing to take a breath, take a pause, and reflect on something um, is very, very good. So giving me time to kind of think about how I want to communicate it, but then also respecting the person I want to talk to by giving them time. Mm -hmm. So if I want to call you out on something, or James, or whatever, actually probably the the better ways of doing it is to say, Charlie, can we sit down at some point? Uh, I want to talk about this, that, and the other. That gives you an opportunity to know what w is coming and know that there's a conversation happening and it happens in a much more neutral, less kind of volatile um, moment. And I think that that helps me and you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in a work context, as you said earlier, this is much harder to do if you are a boss or you're a manager or a line manager, um, you're trying to do this to your boss. And so I do think, as Charlie said earlier, as bosses, as employers, as line managers, I think we do have a responsibility or duty of care to create an environment whereby people who report to us are given permission to challenge us on certain things, but make sure you're clear on the fact that you're inviting someone who works for you or reports to you to challenge you on something that you're actually prepared to be challenged on. Mm -hmm. um, don't just make it up. And I think a key thing, again, what you said earlier was 
the work dynamic may be complicated for some of us, but our interpersonal, this, this very much applies to our interpersonal relationships here within the church, with our families, within our serving teams and all that kind of stuff. And this is stuff that we really ought to be pushing into and pressing into. I think this is great. Yeah, I mean, we're in, we're in a very unusual sort of environment in where we work together and we're also uh, brothers and sisters and friends and and so I recognize that we're in a slightly unusual sort of work environment so I think it's it it probably doesn't necessarily start in most everyone's um, office and it, it's something I mean Neil, or, Neil and Kate always talk about we're trying to redeem the workplace we're trying to um, we're trying to do an upside the kingdom of God is like an upside down kingdom so we're trying we're trying to do things different to how the world does it and so um i think it probably starts in the church and with people that you know and people that you love and exploring that first great and last question um uh, we've been trying to do some of this um stuff as you mentioned like it, is it worth it um why do you think god cares about it i think um i think we're, we're called to do it right i think it's what you were talking about in terms of um, loving each other and you know Jesus talks about it in, in John a new commandment I give you lo love one another and I think it's this is ultimately what we're doing in that process but also I think it's about um, identity um, for each of us and I think you sort of touched on it right at the beginning Charlie that thing of being who you really are and I think there's a whole bunch of this stuff where we for me particularly like I, if I suppress that stuff, I'm actually suppressing who I am and allowing that out and allowing who God has called me to be to come out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, it feels very raw, it feels very uncomfortable, um, but it feels worth it. Like, it, it's not easy. It feels like we have much more authentic uh, relationships as a result. I think we work together much better. I think we understand and appreciate and value each other much better as a result of it. Um, it creates a much more conducive working and relational environment. Um, and I think the reason God cares about it is because God cares about relationship. The whole of Christianity is about relationships. It's about the restoration of broken relationships. Broken relationship with God, a broken relationship with ourselves, a broken relationship with the world, and a broken relationship that exists between one another. And the kingdom is about bringing restoration to all of those relationships. Mm -hmm. And this is way, the one, some of the ways in which God is bringing about um, those restorations and you know we see the, the church is littered even the church is littered with broken dysfunctional relationships and a lot of the broken and dysfunctional relationships are triggered by offense where something has happened or something has been said that I can't confront or I can't speak about and so therefore I just go I'm done and so that's not the kingdom and we should be fighting hard as followers of Jesus to make sure that doesn't happen. That's really good. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Um, it's not necessarily easy to be um, come at the front and share like um, personal everything. So thanks so much for being vulnerable. Yeah. Let's go. Um, maybe if the band could come up. So, sorry, James. <laughs> um, shall I go down? Is that yeah. Um, I think I just want to want us to like pray and minister in some of this stuff that we've been talking about, really. So, um, 
I think like me, some, some of you just feel it's, like some of this stuff is really terrifying. Um, and some of us just need a call to be, to be brave and to be, to be courageous. Um, um, and I th yeah, and I think that's really hard. And we, we, some of us need just prayer and need just some help um, over the line with that, um, just to know that God is with us and that um, even when this stuff feels hard, that, yeah, he is there and he's, he's, he's like cheering us on from the side. Um, and some of us, is, is the, I think it is the offense thing. It's like we need, um, we need to learn to live unoffended. We need to learn to bring stuff up more in a, more in a routine way. Um, and again, just bravery and courage to be able to do that and to receive other people well and be able to forgive people rather than trying to turn it to the side. Um, so we just, does everyone just want to stand up? And um, we just invite the Holy Spirit to come.